You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- 256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. Hey, everybody. Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another episode of Falling Skies. Season 2, Episode 8, Death March, with the ominous music in the background. Yes. <laughs> Very appropriate. I am Tamara Berg. I'm joined in studio by... Hi, I'm Dario Kristen. Hi, I'm Sophia Stanley. And we have a very special guest in the studio with us tonight. We have Peter Shinkoda, who plays Di on Falling Skies. Thanks for being here with us, Peter. <laughs> Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Well, we're so excited that you're here. We want to get right into the show. So let's first talk about, there was so much about this episode to talk about. And through the whole thing, I just felt incredibly tense. <laughs> Did anybody else share that? I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. <laughs> you know I what? mean, that's kind of the tone of the show show to begin with, but this episode. And and specifically, I think last episode, the title was so fitting. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the title was Death March, I was, from yeah. from the minute I knew the title, I was tense because I was really thinking, oh my goodness, they're on the way to Charleston, they're going to get captured, and they're going to have to do a Death March. And right. so I, I really literally thought it was the end. So the yeah. entire episode, that's where I was emotionally. For sure. For yeah, and sure. I was ready for them to reveal so many things that we saw tonight. I mean, each there was so much about characters that was revealed tonight and with the storyline. This has been actually one of my favorite episodes. This yeah, season. and this is this is the run-up to the finale. We're yeah. getting their, they're laying the groundwork so that we can see all the murder, death, and destruction that's coming our way in two more hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared. I'm just going to say it. I'm scared. So let's talk first about Weaver and Tector. Okay, Um, they were in the van together the whole way. Interesting, just by the by the way, they weren't doing a lot of active, you know, running and jumping and doing that sort of thing. But they were revealing a lot about their character, like they say. And it was still absolutely so interesting, which is, again, one of those things that I love about the show. They did a great job of, um, as they say in the writing world, you know, covering the exposition with life, covering it with life. So there were Mm -hmm. things always going on. We weren't getting bored with the fact that they were talking a lot and giving us a lot of information. Mm So Weaver ferrets out from Tector that he is a military guy. Right. Yeah, they started speaking about, well, Weaver was very aware of everything with Tector. It seemed like his words that he was using, just his military background, mm-hmm. he kind of started pulling that out of him. Yeah. And I loved the interaction between the two because it really showed a different side of Tector that we've seen. I, I At the beginning, I thought Tector was kind of like the loose cannon of the group. And come to find out, he actually is one of the people that can really help the second mass move forward. So I, I love the interaction between the Because two. of the fact that he's military. Because he's military, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. But, but then again, and I'll be honest with you, I have a bias, so I have a bias towards Marines. Mm-hmm. I think also, too, if you think about the Marines in relationship to the rest of the military, they are the berserkos. Right. They are the ah. ones who go in, and they go in knowing potentially that they could die. They're the ones who do things that other people aren't willing to do. Right. And so I think that given his military training, but given his courage, that's why Captain Weaver knew he was a Marine. Right. And that's why he said what he said. He was like, oh, you know, a jarhead couldn't do that and right. the quickness with which yeah. you know Tector amped up he that did. was what a marine yeah. would do like yeah. are yeah. you kidding me like we're smart and we're rugged and hello we're berserkos yeah. so um, I think I thought it was fitting I think you know if he was any other branch of the military that wouldn't have made sense to me yeah of course yeah 
Of and course. then we got to see the compassion side as well, because obviously Weaver, um, you know, he's the strong leader. But we've also seen in the past couple episodes with his daughter and everyone and with the relationship with Tom, his softer side. And Tector showed it tonight as well because of the fact that he was showing, hey, he blamed himself for some of his men dying. He blamed himself for Boone's death. So it was it was nice to see that transition from what the character was developed like at the beginning of the episode. Well, and it was one of those things that really only two military guys could could understand. Could you know, to, they yeah. could. You've got to have another another serviceman who's been in the similar situation to be able to relate to that kind of scenario yeah. and the guilt that comes with that. Yeah. Um, so Tector, we learn, is a gunnery sergeant. So clearly have a lot, has a lot of skills that mm-hmm. uh, that are. Oh my God! Going to come in handy. I know. <laughs> in the next couple of episodes, can you tell us anything, Peter? I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't Dang. even ask. I thought maybe I'd get. Let's try to read his face. <laughs> <laughs> don't look him in the eyeballs. Oh, <laughs> you, gotta, you just have another week's uh, wait. Uh, no, That's I know. You're right. You're right. That's true. We just need to, and then we're going to have months to wait for the next season, but that's okay. We're not going to talk about that yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> it, it's funny, though, but this is actually, seeing how I'm, like, the warmonger, this was actually one of the only times where there was a moment when Weaver was pushing him, mm-hmm. and Weaver was like, you kill them, you kill them, mm-hmm. that I really was like, Weaver, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, and I really thought he was pushing him too hard, and then even before that, I thought, you know, every man has a right not to identify his past, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you don't know why he's making the decisions that he made, but then I quickly got bounced back to reality that we're in war, so we don't have the luxury of time. We don't have the luxury to heal, and we'll talk about it with some other characters a little bit later, but whatever skill sets that anyone has, we have to use it full out. Yeah. So get over what you're get going through. We need you. You're a gunnery sergeant. You did two tours, Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, I'm putting you in a different position because we need you because we're at war. Yeah. And having different, I have different expectations exactly. of you now as well. Very much so. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. So I thought it was a pivotal because I think, again, we're always playing with that duality of normal life and kind of the ease of dealing with people and allowing them time to do to deal with whatever they're dealing with versus the fact that we're at war so everything is urgent and everything has to be done when it needs to be done and whatever skill you have buck up we need to use it and keep it moving yeah and also not to interject no, with you but also with Tector I mean his intentions were to drop them off at Charleston and then go off on his own but I mean in this environment where how far would he really have gotten by himself I mean even with all of that type of um, military background that he has he needs that group you know they need to be together I think he, right because they have resources they have that- resources that, that are better combined exactly. than, than one person being on their own. Yeah. So he should, I mean, he, I wanted him to stay with him. So I'm glad that Weaver was able to kind of break him down, which I agree with you, Sophia. At first, I was like, where is he going with this? <laughs> I mean, is he blaming him? You know, and then the, the reveal was great. I agree, Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't you do a little business? Oh, well, are we going to do Amazon first? Yeah. Um, and the reason that I'm so excited is the only reason you should not be watching our After Buzz recap show live right now, the absolute only reason is because you should be watching the Olympics. If you're not watching the Olympics, <laughs> then you must be on literally another planet. Um, and if you can see I'm wearing green, I'm not going to tell you what country that is, but we won two medals for sprinting yesterday. <laughs> two medals for sprinting today. It was like a lightning bolt. It was so electric, but I'll, I'll stop. But seriously, one of the amazing things that we have here at After Buzz is obviously everybody shops, right? So I shop for this t-shirt and, you know, sometimes I love to go and I shop on Amazon.com. Now, what you can do for us as absolute super fans is instead of going directly to Amazon.com, you can go to our website, which is AfterBuzzTV.com and we have our own little banner in the right-hand corner and it says Amazon. You just click (laughs) on it and it takes you to the Amazon site that you know and love and you can just shop like you normally do. It doesn't cost you anything extra. However, it gives us a little kickback and it allows us to do what we do, keep our lights on, have amazing guests like Peter Shinkoda. So, what do you do? You go to AfterBuzzTV.com, you click on the Amazon banner, and then you can buy, 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 buy. So whether or not they're Puma gear from Team Jamaica, um, or anything else from the Olympics, or (laughs) Team USA, or Team Canada, or whoever you're rooting for, because again, the Olympics is what? All about sportsmanship and honor. So it's no coincidence that, you know, we're talking about Falling Skies, which again is what? All about honor. Honor. 
Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes, so again, indeed. just go to After Buzz TV, click on Amazon, and shop, shop, shop. It really helps us out. So thanks for doing that. Now, I kind of thought of this episode as sort of being the the disillusionment and confession episode mm-hmm. because that was kind of going on with with Tector and um, Weaver with the confession and, and background coming out, and also Maggie and Hal, mm. also Pope being involved in that that part of it. So Pope, through the beginning of the episode, is teasing and kind of really goading Maggie about what's your past. You know, we had a good together at one point and this sort of thing. Right? Rolling your eyes. I can see well, it. I mean, she should say the gun. No, but she should have taken the gun and butt him just one time. Seriously. <laughs> like, I'm kind of over him. Like, I really respect Pope. But seriously, she should just one time and then be like, OK, keep talking, dude. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But he's goading her on and saying, you know, oh, you're in love with yeah. this hell boy. You need to tell him what is going on in your background. You need to you need to tell him what where you've come from and what it is. She's pissed, but knows what he's talking about. We're finding out more. And then it comes out that she when she got out of the hospital, she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know where to how to deal with anything, got into drugs, started robbing houses with a bunch of bad people, eventually ended up in prison, had a baby. Bam, her whole life in in 10 seconds. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was not expecting that. I mean, we no. had obviously had uh, Sarah Carter, who plays Maggie in, in, yes. in the studios several weeks back, and she did not give us any kind of reveal no. of that storyline. Just um, like you, keeping exactly, her mouth keeping closed. Her, exactly. And I, I was throw, I, it threw me off. I mean, I didn't expect that from her. Um, but on the flip side, I was happy that she didn't say that the baby was Pope's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because I think that would have been a more difficult thing to have Hal get over on this show. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. But Hal was really seriously affected by this information. You know, she yeah. was so she was she was doing drugs. She was committing crimes. She was a wild child, and you know, pickings are slim on planet Earth right now. I guess you gotta forgive people. Am I See, right? And I'm the exact opposite. I'm like boohoo, big deal. I, and I don't mean it like it sounds, but it's like it's the end of the world, right? right? So again, I thought that the scene was amazing because again, it showed how naive Hal is. Uh-huh. Seriously. Like, she obviously had a life before you. She keeps saying things that we can't be together. We can't be together obviously has to be more than simply just their age difference, right? right. Number one. Number two, and I'm not sure if Sarah Carter, when she was here on the show, alluded to this, but she kind of did. She made clear that Maggie has always been a fighter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't simply because she, you know, beat cancer. There was something there that was a little bit bad, right? Yes. Obviously, for her to have been able to survive with the Berserkos in the manner that she did, that's a completely different survival instinct. There's a mechanism, and that's why Pope always kept saying to her, you're like us. Mm -hmm. You're like us has to mean that she was like them from beforehand, and that's somehow why they banded together. As well as the fact that, and again, maybe I'm the bad one, I would have preferred if she went one step further and had killed somebody. So she was on drugs. She had a bout with cancer. And then she committed crimes, went she to prison. She committed crimes, went to prison, served her time. The baby, that's a different situation. But mm-hmm. there's nothing she did to me in this grand scheme of their conversation just before, like whether or not Hal's capable of killing someone. Murder and robbery are just, especially in this world of we're literally fighting for our survival. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like, okay, cool. She's not perfect. And right, so that's I what was you, over it. It wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. So that's how you're saying Hal should have reacted. He should, or not should have, but, but you, you suggest that maybe that... I think he reacted properly because I think he's naive and I think that scene was necessary to show how Mm -hmm. naive and the fact that he really is a child. He's not an adult. I think that an adult's reaction would have been a little bit different. An Mm -hmm. adult's reaction would be, oh my God, how are you? Like, oh my God, how was that? Not like, oh, I need a minute to get over that. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful by my voice, but I think he acted like a 16-year-old. Right. Well, I think he handled it appropriately. I mean, kind of what you're saying is that all that happened in her past. It was before she met Hal. So, you know, at the end of the day, it had nothing. She was being honest with him, which he has to appreciate. And then, once again, these things happened in the past. So it has nothing to do with where they're at at this point in their relationship right now. So do you think Hal's going to be able to get over it? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was over, it by, over the end it. Of the, by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I think he was ready to move on. Yeah, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I think I personally, I needed bigger. 
kid you like the bad boys. No, I needed big bat I needed batter from her. Right. Yeah. Right. I like badass chicks. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And quiet quiet badasses too. Well, I like of, how you guys never get my joke. No, okay. I get it. Hopefully no. Peter got it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But, you know, speaking of badass chicks, as we were talking about Sarah and some of the other cast members we've had on the show, Brandon J., if you've missed any of the episodes, please go to iTunes.com where you can download all the previous episodes. We, As we mentioned today, we're on episode eight. Um, so there are plenty more that you can go look back and see all of the conversations that we've had to describe the episodes. So go to iTunes.com, uh, download the episodes. You can also rate and comment for us, tell a friend we love the rate the ratings in the comments we read them right before the show every i read them every day actually um and and text these guys and tweet them about them mm-hmm. so please go to itunes.com rate and comment for us and uh, download all the previous episodes okay let's talk about charleston how is charleston peter never been there myself <laughs> <laughs> i mean the closest we got was that uh, that that overpass that was uh, obliterated you know that was someplace outside of vancouver but uh <laughs> You know, that was it. I mean, there was nothing. We're staring off into, like, I think railroad tracks or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And a lot of wreckage. Cool, yeah. And yeah. scariness. Yeah. Um, in that scene where we're, is, was that all CG? Yeah, yeah. When it okay. was over our shoulders looking off into the mm-hmm. distance, that was completely, there was nothing. It was just fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a highway, maybe, uh, you know, a few uh, hundred yards beyond but okay. we were on an intact bridge and then they just built up that uh, rubble and they shot it from you know the incline over the bridge at us and then they just you know eliminated the whole ramp up there turned out pretty good it did it yeah. looked really it looked good real. it, re- it looked very um, ominous so w- one of the things that I loved about this scene was how they did the smash cut so we had Maggie and Hal driving at night the lights come up they stop and then they do a smash cut to Weaver and Tector daytime in a truck yeah what I just, I just thought that was incredibly effective and and jarring, mm-hmm. and it it uh, created a lot more questions than it answered, which I it love did. about this show. I think it's a great device that they use in the show quite frequently, actually. Um, the the not answering of questions. So Charleston, we've been hearing about it for weeks and weeks. Um, Sophia, if I remember correctly, you think Charleston's full of crap? Is that right? From the Completely. very beginning. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> There's a theme tonight with you, Sophia. What's well, going on? Well, no, I mean, and this is this is a thing, too, is, and again, I think that the episodes are so perfectly titled, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so, in hindsight, now I, I completely understand Death March. Part of what has to happen is one of two things in war, and usually at the same time. It's a physical assault and a mental assault, mm-hmm. right? Arguably, the second mass and the resistance movement has actually been somewhat either winning or matching toe-to-toe the physical assault. Everyone thought that they should be done, right? Mm -hmm. And theoretically, they actually got to Charleston without any losses of life other than the person who was suffering from dehydration. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. The only other tactic, which we saw in the last episode when they shot Boone, was psychological. Mm -hmm. To me, this entire episode, the fact that we were tense, it's psychological torture. The fact that presumably nothing happened, psychological. The fact that they got there and it seemed as if there was no Charleston, psychological. Mm -hmm. And then to to be revealed, oh my goodness, there really is a Charleston, then your hopes go back up. For something to happen, mm-hmm. that's true. Peter, I see reactions mm-hmm. on your face. What are you? What can? What can you tell us that you're thinking about right now? She's just feeding into everything the writers want. Oh, good. Oh, great. Oh. I'm just, just giving you a little amusement <laughs> and, uh, and listening to you know how it affects you guys. And, you know, and but, I know, I know what happens. Of so course. Like, yeah. It's so great. the the manipulation. Well, that's kind of a strong word, but I mean that's what oh, they're I doing. Like they're that manipulation. Word. manipulation. They're, yeah, they're, the manipulation yeah, is yeah. absolutely working, and we're we're buying we're buying it hook, line, and sinker. Totally. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, when when Hal and uh, Maggie were in the truck with Pope and they got pulled over, I, I actually thought that it was the Skitters. I mean. Uh, that's what I thought, too. I thought the Skitters or the Mechs were coming after them, and it was about to be world World War War after this, you know. So um, that was my first initial reaction. And then the revealing that they actually were at Charleston, and it was, you know, as we said, the, the lollipops and gummy bears <laughs> towards the end. Um, it was an interesting twist, yeah, to see where it's going to, especially to see where it's going to go in the next couple of weeks. But, but it did go, uh, we're going to Charleston. Oh, crap, that's Charleston. Oh, my God, strawberries. Yeah. Also, who, what, what leader of the Continental Army is walking around with strawberries? Bag of strawberries. 
Right. I need like a. I need like a. a, a eh, but yeah. like no, yeah. that yeah. makes no. Like of all things, even if he had M and M's, that would make more sense. No, seriously, like you could arguably carry candy or raisins or nuts as a soldier. Strawberries, strawberries in a plastic bag. Right. Hell to the knob. Hey, thank you, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah, you but, in the booth. They're always on point. But see, I I took it differently. I took it as like fruit, strawberries, apples, oranges. That type of thing is something that is the epitome of American culture you know going to the south um it's 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 fresh it's it's fresh product it's it's something that you're like wow i can get fruit and and it just and again and i agree with you and i think that's exactly why i didn't buy it that's why it's playing into the psychological nature of who we are that we're like oh my god it really is going to be great all those things that they wanted it to be and ironically that's when when tom was in on the medical bus tom's not listening to himself what he said was relevant. He goes, I wanted it to be true. He's mm-hmm. like, I can't believe that this isn't real. But what he was really saying is, I knew it wasn't real. I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be isn't in line with who he is. Who he is is a historian. Where are you going to have the end of the world? And in the midst of all of this, where you have a civilization that has technology above and beyond your own, that you really legitimately think that you could hide out? Anywhere in a country of 3,000 miles coast to coast, number one. Number two, again, I'm not that familiar with the topography of Charleston. It's not like it's mountains. It's not like you can hide. Like, And ironically, that's why when they were going to haul up for the winter in the Appalachian Mountains, that made sense. Technically, for military reasons, yes, it may have been tough on your on the second mass. But really? No, it doesn't make sense. And they keep feeding that even though they know. That's why when they got there... They were disillusioned, but they actually weren't surprised. Absolutely. True. Absolutely. And, you know, just to just to talk about the real specifics, specific, specifics of strawberries. I have not been drinking today. I just want to say. <laughs> it's been a long week, though. It's, and it's Sunday. Um, strawberries. Okay, so apples travel better. Yep. But yep. it takes six months, a year to, to, to create an apple. It mm-hmm. takes a few weeks to make strawberries. Oh. So that's maybe the, the thought behind it. You can actually okay. dr- grow something that quickly, mm-hmm. but fragile. They're, they're mush by the time they get to uh, everybody else. It, but, but the, but the idea is that they're sort of kernels of hope, mm-hmm. you so know, it's, yeah. it's just a calling card. It's a business card. Yeah. And, you know, it suggested that we have the technology and, you know, the, the facilities to, uh, you know, hydroponically grow these, Strawberries. Yeah. It'll, it'll be explained next week. Okay. We're yeah. sure. We're, we're sure. I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, I'm revealed. There's a little reveal there. <laughs> so hydroponically grown. Right. Or something. Maybe. Or something. Maybe. Okay. Keep going. Uh-huh. And that, and that uh-huh. to me is skitter technology. Sorry. <laughs> I just like throwing out a wide girth of predictions yeah. so that one of my predictions comes true. Well, it's it's so hard to tell with this show where it's going because we, we do follow along. We always have differing views mm-hmm. of some sort because they're – oh, Steve's not with us. Hi, Steve. Sorry. Steve's not with us this week. He'll be with us next week. Um, but but there, are, there are always differing opinions within, within the panel and, um, and far-reaching opinions because that's one of the great things about Falling Skies is that they, they create opportunities where, where the story really could go a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So, so Charleston is great. Charleston is not. Yes, Charleston is back. But you think Charleston is... I, no, because I, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like it just it just doesn't make any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And part of me feels like, again, Weaver should know better. Yes, sometimes you need to rest. Like you know, you, any even in the military, you have time off. But what are you resting for? <laughs> the aliens are going away. There's work to do. There's still right. work to do. Mm-hmm. So, so the fact of the matter is, going to somewhere that is in fact a paradise, all it does is make people weak. All it does is potentially make people think that they're back to normal. When people are back to normal, they don't fight like they should. Yeah, they get complacent. They become very complacent. Mm-hmm. And I know this may not be the time period, but I think it does speak to disillusionment. The fact that you have, and I can't remember, how is he nine? Matt? Matt, Matt is nine. nine. Yeah. The fact that you have a nine-year-old writing a last will yes. and testament, yes. that shows the nature of where they are. Mm-hmm. The fact that he then so quickly you know, gives it to his father and his father was like, what are you doing this for? Okay, draw something. And he switches. 
that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because even though they're in war, there is a certain aspect of normalcy, but you have to be able to switch it on and off really quickly. Why? Because at the end of the day, he may be nine, but his gun is right next to him. So when the Jenny character comes into play and Jenny wants to leave and he basically doesn't want her to leave because he sees her as a potential friend. He mm-hmm. sees her as a peer. He sees her as his brother leaving again. Mm-hmm. He physically gets up to stop her. That makes sense to me because of the state that they're in. If they all of a sudden go to a Charleston and everything's perfect, you won't have that readiness. And all you have to do is have Charleston and then the skitters can just go. Well, and never mind the fact that Charleston just makes for bad TV. There's no conflict there. Nobody's going to watch them hang out in Charleston at the spa. Well, I agree agree with you 50%. (laughs) I agree with you in reference to Matt, but I don't agree with you with Weaver. I think Weaver is very well aware of everything that's going on. I think that as a leader, he needs to make sure that he continues to give his people hope. And he knows that... You know, for people to continue to move forward and be motivated, it can't be all negative. You can't just give them all of the negative information. You have to be able to give them something of positive and something of hope to look for. I mean, that's human nature. Mm -hmm. So I I agree with you on a a portion of that. But I think Weaver is very well aware of everything that uh, of not thinking that everything is so perfect in Charleston. Yeah, I mean, you're disagreeing with me. I see it. I I am. I, 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 I don't really have an opinion necessarily about that, but I think I think it's a good point that you're making because he's he's got a lot going on in his head and uh, and we don't know where it's going really yeah. we don't let's talk a little bit more about Matt and Jenny um, the the journal mm-hmm. came up <clears throat> came up he was writing in his journal she wrote that you know maybe I'll stay um, did we all notice that the journal was off to the side and got brought back to him yeah, I think yeah. there's a message in that journal from Jenny yes anybody else pick that up Ooh. oh I didn't. I didn't pick that part up. Yeah, Peter, you're <laughs> nodding. You know, I, I was thinking the same thing. You know, as as like uh, as a fan watching it, uh, it kind of was suggestive of something like that. But uh, you're gonna have to yeah, wait okay, to find yeah, out. Right, okay, really. I'll stop asking those kind of questions. But but it just seemed to me like there was it was very purposeful that that it was off to the side and then brought to him. So I think that there's there's something that's going to be happening with that. You know, poor Matt. He's he's going through so much. He's nine years old. He's losing his family. He's getting his family back. We don't know where Ben is. He finally finds a friend. He's trying to hang on to that because because he she does represent Ben for him. Um, but the conversations that they were having about her again with being part of the family when we were joined she said mm-hmm. the, guard- um, the guardian yeah let's talk about that a little bit how that got me I did have a question with the guardians no yeah. the guardians were in reference to the skitters correct mm-hmm. okay so that's the, that's what they were calling i just want to make sure that that was yeah remember clear. when there was that one scene a few episodes ago where they they were found the kids harness kids were found sleeping in circles and then there was one of the skitters who right. would be over them kind yeah. of um, you know comforting them and and Mothering them really is what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So that's what she was referring to. Okay, and it was creepy. Well, she did. She did reveal that the, her skitter guardian was a woman or a female. I agree. So, yeah. Peter, I have a question for you. This has mm-hmm. been a debate for us right. several weeks now. Are skitters male or female? Are they? Are they? You know, we've got to reveal tonight that there are a portion that are females. But what is what is their sex? I think because I've seen them up close. <laughs> I think as the uh, the whole process takes over, eventually their genitalia just dries up and falls off, and you become like an alien hermaphrodite. Okay. So, really, I, so we weren't. Far I off. don't know. Okay. I mean, they discussed it. I think in the second hour of this uh, this season, when uh, there was just one of these long shots where uh, Maggie and uh, and Hal were talking about you know um, uh, skitter reproduction and, and, and coitus. So mm-hmm. uh, you know they didn't 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 have an answer, but uh, you know we're out there wondering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think well, we, were, and, we were in line with that, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. But, you know, poor, poor, poor Matt. Poor Matt. Yeah. And his will. I think we should next go to our commercial, Marissa, so we can talk to Peter, because he's been too quiet, and we really need to talk to him and about him. Hey there, good buddies. The handle's Wooly Bear. I'm a truck driving man, but I'm not that old school kind of truck driving man. No, I like to listen to podcasts while I'm driving through these great United States of ours. And my favorite podcasts in the world are from AfterBuzz TV. And why? Because <laughs> AfterBuzz TV is like a post-game wrap-up show for all your favorite TV shows. Like Jersey Shore, Dancing with the Stars, Mad Men, and a whole truckload more. I like listening to my Gossip Girl podcast, catching up with all my fellow fans and getting all the latest news and gossip. You know, I got some strong opinions. 
And After Buzz TV lets me share those opinions with thousands of other listeners. Hooray! What a feeling. I used to doze off on those lonely stretches of road. And don't worry, I got the cruise control. But now I'm wide awake and listening to all the After Buzz TV goodness. <laughs> Check them out. Give them a holler. And tell them the old woolly bear sent you. And we are back. And just reminding you, we are in the studio with Peter Shinkoda, who plays Die on Falling Skies. And now are we, gonna t- we are going to talk all about you, mister. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You have quite a resume and are quite, I, I actually would, would sort of categorize you as a renaissance man. Would you categorize yourself as that? I would like to think that. Yeah. Uh, I've been called it before, but, yeah. uh, you know. This because? Is, you just can't do everything. Oh, are you talking about my resume? You're yeah. talking about my well, personal life. Well, you're, you're an actor. Mm-hmm. You also came out of post-production. You studied yeah. and worked in post-production at yeah. one point. You're a pianist. Yeah. Uh, what else have I missed? Played a lot of sports. Oh, played a lot of sports. Played a lot of sports. Hockey, uh, predominantly, and football. When I was a child, I I really suck at basketball. Well, <laughs> why not look at her? Oh, you know why? Because <laughs> I'm team team yeah. team. No, that and uh, for basketball, we're team USA. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm the worst at basketball. Yeah, I, I can do a few things, you know. Um, you, and you're from Canada. I am. Montreal, so, right? Montreal. Montreal. I love that city. Oh, it's Me the greatest. Too. It's the greatest. I miss it so much. I really do. How long have you been here in L.A.? I first moved here in 93, um, and uh, I lived here till uh, around the millennium. Then I went and spent about uh, seven years up in Vancouver. I was coming back and forth. But uh, I went up there, and you know, I was finding a lot of success in acting. So I, I find it, I found it difficult to make an, an, another permanent move back. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, since we started shooting this, it was easy to come back. And uh, I'm based out of here, but they keep you know shooting us up back to Canada. Yeah, they're, they're pulling a lot of you Canadian actors for this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just happened that way. I I don't know if it was like a, a deal kind of issue, deal memo issue, or whatnot. But uh, you know, there's so much talent up there. Yeah, you know, certainly in Vancouver, a lot yeah. of us. Uh, you know, a lot of these the cast members do double duty between. Uh, you know, Canada and the United States. Yeah, we're always going back and forth. You know, and now so, Tamara mentioned that you come from a civil engineering background, and then you <laughs> went into post production. Tell us a little bit how you got on Falling Skies. Like, how did you get the script? Did you audition in a tape? How did it? How did it all work okay, out from I, the beginning? I've told this a couple times, but you know, I'll put it out there once and for all. I got to. Um, I, I had a manager. Uh, I have a manager, Danielle Dell, and she. Uh, she called me up and asked me if I had uh, read for something called the untitled Steven Spielberg alien invasion pilot, also known as, you know, a few other things. And uh, I, I told her I hadn't heard about it, but the breakdown had come out maybe 30 days previous to her mentioning it to me. And I couldn't believe it because, you know, it said an Asian guy, commando, uh, you know, athletic, martial arts ability. Martial arts. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Mushu against the skater? Right. Um, so it had all that. You know, I, I think I fit, I've I fit the criteria, so um, she called the two casting directors. Uh, one was based out of Toronto, another one was uh, the Hollywood one, uh, Deborah Zane. They refused to see me because uh, it was so late in the game. We were, we were going to shoot maybe in a week in Toronto, and uh, they said we cannot. We're about to, you know, offer to two of our uh, our, our top choices. So at, at this point, it was a mid afternoon. She said, "Just hold your horses, Pete." You know, I'm going to call Leslie Feldman over at uh, DreamWorks. She's uh, DreamWorks Studio Casting, High Casting. And uh, my manager explained to her who I was, and she said, okay, you know, they're a personal friend. She goes, I'm going to shoot over the material. I need your guy to, you know, uh, put everything on tape in the next, like, hour or so. So I did. And, uh, you know, moments later, uh, my uh, my manager called me up and said that, uh, you know, Leslie Feldman was, like, ecstatic with my uh, my uh, audition. So she called off the offers for these two other actors. And, uh, you know, th- this was a Wednesday afternoon. And she said she was going to put it, uh, you know, throw it by all the producers and the network and stuff. And uh, within 48 hours, Friday morning, I got a call and uh, there was an offer from TNT. And uh, Stephen had seen the audition and Leslie was standing beside him and he literally... Saw it, that's it, you know, said, you know, offer it to him. And I was ready when I got that call. I was ready packed because I was actually in Vancouver at the time. I was ready and packed to, to fly down immediately to do a screen test because that's usually the process. And my, uh, my manager said, no, you know, she's, she's never seen that done, especially on a television series. And, um, but, uh, you know, she was happy and she, she assured me that I had the job and that Steven saw it and said, that's it, that's him. We're signing off on, on the uh, screen test. And I'm like, signing off, that sounds negative. What does that mean, signing <laughs> off, right? And she said, no, that's it. He's, he's waived it and it's yours, you know. Keep your bags packed. You're flying in a couple of days to Toronto and, and it was off. 
Well, that must be a great feeling when Steven Spielberg sees you and signs off immediately. Yeah, so. yeah, believe me, I I crumpled to the floor and you know I collapsed to the floor. You know, I think I, I, I cried a bit, and then then I just started running around my room. <laughs> I just started pacing back and forth. I literally did some Tom Cruise couch uh, jumping, couch jumping, and stuff nice. like that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Tough so, guy cry though. Tough guy cry for sure. Yeah, we we yeah, understand. Yeah. So as an actor though, mm-hmm. for you to obviously have really connected in a way that several other people probably have never been able to do. What did you do? Like, where did you go to be able to have Mr. Steven Spielberg go, okay, that's the guy. That's our guy. I don't know. I was just being myself. I I think that um, I possess a lot of this alpha male kind of quality. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think that I'm like really edgy and tough where people that really know me know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kitten. <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just did a job. To tell you the truth, it was a very short um, uh, audition. The material was only like two pages long. But most of the dialogue was Hal, Anthony, uh, the, the uh, click, you know, from the pilot, um, Karen. So we're all standing there doing surveillance on that initial, uh, the, 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 um, the warehouse in the pilot where, where, where I killed the skater and saved Tom. So we're all uh, we were doing some recon, and it was a big ensemble scene. And I literally die, as you know, he's designed not to really talk. I literally had like one line: "I'm in, Tom," or something, you know. So I, I really had to make something out of the the material. So I, I, I hijacked everybody's lines. You know, I left one or two to Hal, but I was playing everybody's lines. So you know, that, that was the only way I kind of you know I can see that uh, you know I, I might have pulled it off because of those choices that I made but uh, there wasn't that much material it's a lot of it was uh, like physicality uh, uh, the, the intent in my eyes and stuff and uh, you know I was, I was I had a whole bunch of like little toys that were out of frame and I was you know clicking them making you know, giving myself some business making it look like I was you know packing bags or you know to, to, to filling up a magazine or something and uh, it really sold and you know it turned out to be a pretty good audition but um you know, once the show started, and I was getting the scripts, I realized that they, you know, they were they were pretty consistent with uh, with the the minimal dialogue. Because, well, it was you know it was explained to me that that, that was a part, and I actually said a man of very few words doesn't talk much, <laughs> but effective in the field, a great combatant. That's that was the breakdown for that. So really, it comes down to: Do you have a presence? Can you convey that presence? That sort of thing. And so clearly right, you yeah, can. I think that you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't really have to try. I just think that people think that I, I have some kind of, uh, you know, a toughness, that kind of quality to me. So, you know, really I was just cocking guns, pointing, you know, and, and, and looking focused and, and, and looking uh, like I was brave enough to, to, to go in and, you know, and, and become, well, go into the front lines and, 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 and be that guy. So I think it's sold, you know, maybe one day it'll leak out there, that audition. <laughs> Who knows? I haven't bought the Blu-ray first season, so are there auditions on that? No. No, I've seen it, and no, there aren't. It's not on there, I'll tell you for sure. Now, you shot a lot of season two at night. 90% of it, yeah. How was that, having Um, a graveyard shift job as an actor? (laughs) I really have a bizarre kind of, uh, you know, schedule myself, so it really didn't affect me, this whole night shoot kind of thing, but... uh, to tell you the truth, it was rough on most of the cast, mm-hmm. and certainly the crew who were out there, and, oh. and to do you know they, they, they sacrifice so much more. We were comfortable in our in our trailers, but these guys are out there in the elements, you know, just working day yeah. and never off their feet. These people, they're incredible. Um, so we shot a lot at night, but to tell you the truth, Vancouver in the winter is um, you know it's like the dark side of the moon. Anyways, yeah. it really, really is. Um, uh, it, it lacks sunlight. Yeah, and then there's a lot of precipitation. Then you get the temperature drop. So that all uh, added to the discomfort. But uh, you know, still great gig. It's fun. I mean, it just lends to the the realism of uh, you know of, of the show. So we enjoyed it. We all we we all hated the Fridays though. They'd always schedule Fridays uh, the Friday shoot to start maybe you know mid afternoon. We have to show up on set. That's our call time. But we'd be getting out. I think yeah, it worked every Friday. I think for five months. And we'd start maybe, you know, I'd arrive on set maybe at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's already dark. Yeah. Because really, if it was a sunny day, it would be sunny around (laughs) 8, and then it would be pitch black at like 4 anyways. But 90% of the time, it's raining all day, so it's dark all the time, you know. Um, So we we would start on Friday, maybe, you know, mid-afternoon. We'd always wrap around 6, 7 when the sun is supposed to come up on a Saturday morning. 
and then Monday we would always start early again. So you know, there's there goes it's our whole a very weekend. Very short yeah. weekend, yeah. yeah. Well, with shooting at night and the and the physicality of of the show, have you had a lot of injuries on the show? I haven't. Uh, no, there, there was. I did have an injury this season. Actually, I got bitten by a pit bull. Whoa. You what? Know, I, yeah, it was strange. I, I called the production once. That was my only inju- injury this season. You know, a little pit bull bite came and lunged at me and uh, on cut the my set? chin. During- no, it wasn't. Oh. My, like, I talked to Noah. He called me. He goes, what? what? what this, the dog went, you got loose, went running rampant on the set and bit your face or something? Like, <laughs> good one. Good one. No. It didn't happen quite like that. It had nothing to do with the production, so... That was my only injury. Other than that, you know, I just I was, I was aching a lot from uh, you know the, the, the few stunts that I did this yeah. season. Um, you know, I, I'm feeling my age, and uh, well, and that must be there. tough in the in the cold, damp weather too. I mean, it's just not really conducive for yeah. keeping your body. Certainly, ready to especially go. like four in the morning, and uh, and 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 you know, at hour seventeen, you know, then then it starts getting. You know, pretty tough. And and by the end of the show, by by the ninth and tenth episode, you know. I think we're all ready to kind of, you know, wrap it up because mm. we could see the ending, you know, and uh, we were pretty anxious because I think we had our fill by the end of, you know, the the, the whole shoot. Season, it it yeah. was tough, you know, yeah. but I, I'm only speaking for myself. I actually loved it. I love that stuff. You know, you're running around the woods. It doesn't get realer. You know, the experience of uh, the, the simulated fighting, it can't be realer unless you're, you know, you're deployed to uh, Afghanistan or something. Right. You know? So it feels real. And you feel the heat and, you, and you're running around and hitting your marks and mortars are going by. And uh, it's great. You know, there's fire and smoke machines and everything's timed. Uh, great. But it, it, when the camera's rolling. It really feels real because you feel the heat. You hear the guns and the chaos and, and you know the smoke machines and it's great. It's great. So you just burst my bubble. I was hoping that you were going to say that there were actors in the mech suits, but I guess it's all digitally put onto the screen. Yeah, it's all exactly. green screen. Yeah, pretty much. Well, well, the, the mechs know they have like uh, you know these like they got one of those uh, you know the staff of rock kind of things. You know, like that, uh, mm-hmm. that Indiana. It's like a stick oh, with a ball on top. So you know, we kind of stare off in the distance at those things. And then uh, of course we have the animatronic skitters. Yeah, that uh, you know we can act up close and personal with. Uh, so you know, there's a whole combination of things. I think they employ all, every device of uh, you know filmmaking in the show. Yeah, and and. How much do you guys know in advance? Do you guys get an episode ahead? Do you know the entire story arc for this season? Zero. We don't know. We don't know uh, anything uh, except for, uh, you know, the, uh, the the episodes, the episodes, the scripts. You know, we're all anxious to get the scripts. And, you know, sometimes we might get them a couple weeks before. Sometimes we get them two days before wow. shooting, you know. And it's a pretty frantic pace. But, um we aren't really told anything. Well, and it sounds like that's a that's an environment that you really thrive in. The you know the the energetic part of it, the the fighting, the getting the scripts at the last minute. That 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 you really thrive in that kind of situation. Would you? Is that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Specifically for me too, because you know I know my material and. Um, my, and, and the the energy of my, my material it's, it's really not dialogue driven my stuff you mm-hmm. know it's intent driven and, and and a lot of it is uh, you know action mm-hmm. action acting so mm-hmm. um, yeah I get I get those and uh, you know I dive in but I feel very badly for like in fact the scene the, the, this massive scene that uh, or scenes that uh, Hal and uh, and uh, Maggie were in they. I think they got that script in a rewrite because she had monologues and monologues in the car and he's just sulking and driving. But there was pages and pages. And I remember uh, Drew and um, you know Sarah were telling me they're about to shoot it. And like the next day, and she's like, oh, my God, I got like five pages. And I just got it like seven at nine. I was like, I feel so bad for you. You know, yeah. I got to go, let's go. You know, walk <laughs> on. She got five pages. And she's got a rocket the next morning. You know, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a huge. It's intense. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely, you know. I mean, it's like call. Us professionals, I guess, right. but she she rose to town. She did a great job, but I remember just feeling so bad yeah. for her to get that material, you know, and 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 and, and uh, to to somehow you know, assume it into you and then do a, you know a great job that she did. It's it's just it's you know it's a great testament to, to what uh, you know responsible actors have to do. Now we only got to see you speak for a couple of lines in the end of the scene, but you did sort of you did tease to us that we see more of you in the next two episodes. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's uh, you guys are calling it two episodes, huh? 
Well, the season, the two-hour season finale. Oh, th- we actually weren't sure of that. We were yeah, talking we were about that a little before. That so it is a two-hour season finale. I believe finale. so, but you know what? they're naming it two different episodes. It's got, yeah. each hour has a different name. Yeah, definitely. But you know, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, I think uh, internationally, they roll out uh, the show Separately. differently. Yeah, sometimes, it, yeah, they might they might split it up. I know that. that that's, that's a possibility, yeah. You mentioned a little bit earlier, I, I mean, we obviously know that you do a lot of action and stunts. Which which set that you've worked on has been the most challenging? I know you have Falling Skies, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked on Mortal Kombat and Sanctuary. Which one is the most challenging out of those three? Oh, definitely Falling Skies. Definitely Falling Skies because it, uh, you know, it, it, it just gave me, you know, many, uh, you know, days of shooting. These other ones, you step on as a guest star or something, yeah. so you don't know. But, uh, yeah, this, this is like I've seen everything, you know, you know all of it. Uh, through the two seasons, and uh, but also it's also the funnest. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm, I, like I have a, you know, I'm one of the, the leads on the show. The other ones, I was a guest star, so there's not that much emphasis put on me. But uh, you know, in the in the moments that I have, you know, I love shooting Falling Skies. It's the greatest, the greatest, uh, you know, gig that I'll ever have. I think. What's been your favorite episode this season? Uh definitely um, hour two, hour two, because. Um, I get to be a badass again. <laughs> and I was firing that gun, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely a, you know, universal male fantasy shooting those big guns yeah. with the truck. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did my little um, Taylor Lautner slide down the mountain there with the bazooka at the end. And, uh, you know, so I, I enjoyed that, you know. In, in, in a narcissistic way. Now you have you, you obviously have done a lot of the acting roles. With your experience in post, do you have any any desire to produce or direct things yourself, or, or, or plans to do that? Yeah, I have desires, but uh, uh-huh. you know, I'm also not going to you know blow wind up my own ass. And you know, it, it takes a, a certain um, uh, kind of a, a way of thinking and, and, and organization, organizational skills that I probably don't have. I, I, you know. Producing, directing is very difficult. You know, directors, it's like a general on, on, the, on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to coordinate and to get everybody on the same page is, is a, it's a feat in itself. Um, it'd be, I'd be pretty arrogant to say that, you know, I'm prepared, I'm ready, and I should do it, and I will. And, you know, I, I thought about it, of course, but, uh, you know, directors are, are gifted, uh, gifted uh, artists. But do you think that because you do have that background, it makes you a better actor because you have a different respect for when, when you're told to do x y or z um yeah maybe yeah definitely um i start to know angles and um i start to uh, understand like the intimacy of uh, like close-ups and then and, and so, as, as opposed to the wider shots mm-hmm. um when, when i worked at warner brothers for years i, I got the privy uh, i got the um the opportunity to watch the dailies of whatever show they could be shooting like uh you know i've watched like a year and a half of matrix dailies every day oh, wow. i remember the first <laughs> shot take wow. one scene one you know and uh and I'd be watching the dailies for maybe uh, an hour to two hours a day for years. So I started to really scrutinize, you know, all, each take. And um, it, it, it kind of uh, it revealed to me a whole new world back in the sense that it's so raw, with the raw sound and the raw picture, that without the music, post-production, the, the, the pace, with the, the cutting and stuff, it, it just seems almost like home movies. And then I realized that it's each, it's like, a, it's a, it's kind of like a, a puzzle. And it's just a small little contribution, a small little moment, even, you know, just a look or something, or, or, or uh, you know, a half a page of dialogue on, on one reverse shot. It's, I, I start to realize that all you got to do is be uh, kind of aware of that, uh, deliver there, and then everybody else, all the puzzle pieces will fall into place. Yeah. Because it's a collaborative effort, you know. The only singular effort is, as an actor, um, you have that job to, to to live that part and let yourself be filmed, you know. And then everybody else has their responsibilities and it all comes together. But uh, I, I got to watch it and appreciate uh, the acting more because of the dailies, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, we're, we're running a little low on time, so we need to talk about what are you doing now? What's happening next? Is it is it just all falling skies and vacation? Right now, I mean, you know, I'm, looking, I'm looking to take a vacation someplace, yeah. to tell you the truth. I've been doing this... Uh, <laughs> My publicists are they're running me ragged, you know? I'm like, oh, man, I got to make the Playboy party. Like, well, that's where I was last night. Uh-huh. I'm still very jealous. Boo, saw I, that I, I on Twitter. Yeah. So I went there, and, you know, it's everything that you'd expect it to be. I've never been to that Midsummer Night's Dream Party. But, uh, you know, they're sending me lots of uh, these events, and uh, there's a lot of interviews. It's tough. It's tough. And, when, and then season three is around the corner. Yeah, and, when do you, you start know? filming season three? Uh, they say it's tentatively August 22nd back oh, in Vancouver. Oh, right, quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, it, you know, between the, the first two seasons, there was a huge uh, hiatus and a gap, and then, you know, we got to get approval from them and, and start crunching numbers and all that stuff. But, you know, it's pretty much, it was a slam dunk in this one. They said, okay, let's do it. And, you know, the, 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 t- the time frame of the, the seasons is, uh, you know, we got to work it in. So now we're going to go into the spring, I guess, in season three. So they got to, uh, you know, capture that kind of the, the warmer, the milder weather of Vancouver. Yay! <laughs> for, for the actors, yay! And I think that, uh, you know, might get one week of sunshine. <laughs> Outside of Falling Skies, what would be your ultimate role that you'd like to play? Damn. Uh, maybe an Asian Han Solo kind of a guy, maybe? Uh, and Well, there's room for that. Yeah. There's room for that. I like that. Yeah, I think, you know, Han Solo or Indiana Jones would be the coolest. You know, I would love to be a short round in the next Indiana Jones all going up. There you go. I like that. There you you go. Get reunited with Indiana Jones. Man. Oh, I like it. Let's just put that out in the ether. I'll go see it. Wouldn't that be great? Peter, what is your Twitter handle? Um, I am at Peter Shinkoda. How about that? Okay, we need to go to predictions. So, real quickly, predictions. Sophia, you're always great with them. What do you have? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, Well, Charleston is a bust. I think that, uh, to piggyback on what Steve said probably a couple weeks ago, I think it is, is... a reservation. I think that uh-huh. the fact that um, that uh, Tom has never revealed what happened on the ship, he never revealed that option. I think that that is a viable option. I think that we forget that there are a multitude of harnessing capabilities. So simply because you don't have a harness on you doesn't mean you're not being controlled. And right. we've obviously seen other people being controlled. Somehow we're forgetting that. So I definitely feel that Charleston is a trap. I think that Charleston is obviously where certain people have chosen to go. But at the same time, it's unharnessed, harnessed individuals. And it's all going to blow up. But I I piggyback on my last prediction from last week. Um, Ben is definitely going to come with the skitter um, resistance Mm -hmm. and flank them. And then we're going to see what happens. Okay. Golly. Do you have any? I have nothing after that. Do you? You didn't Um, think about this, though. Mine is, uh, let's see, I think that uh, it, it, Maggie and Hal are going to go through a, a, some new obstacles that will jeopardize their relationship in the future. That's what I think. Peter, what do you predict for the next two hours of Falling Skies? I predict I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Lead the fifth, I cannot. <laughs> We're ramping up for this. This is, oh, you, know, it's, it's, you are not succumbing to any of our charms. I we cannot. clearly are not very talented. I cannot say anything. I don't think I should be sitting across from him. I think <laughs> you two ladies should have been sitting across oh, from him. You know what, though? Can I say something real yes, quick? Of I'm going to watch this back, and because obviously his acting ability is so amazing, I'm going to watch it back, and all I'm going to do is turn the sound off and see if I can see. Right. That's what I'm going to do. That's good. Well, as we all know, Brandon didn't tell us that he was dying the next, the next week. Episode, so I know. We have no idea what's going to happen with you. This is going to be very exciting. That's but right. Oh, you, our, when Brandon was on, it was the, the, the week before, before his, his character well, died. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. But we do yeah. know he's on season three, don't we? That's it. Can't say anything. I'm sick of saying anything. <laughs> Just toying with you guys. Thank you for being with us, Daryl. Can you give us your Twitter handle, please? Uh, you can follow me, or yes, you can follow me at Daryl Kristen, D E R R I L C H R S T O N. Sophia, you can follow me at Sophia Stanley, and I am at Tamara Berg. Also, my website is tamarascentral.com. Also, follow our fabulous guest Peter at Peter Shinkoda on Twitter. Thank you so much for being Thank with you, us. Peter. It's been a delight, and we really appreciate it. Next Next time, bring a keyboard and play some music for us, in addition to the amazing acting abilities. And uh, we look forward to you and Sarah doing some duets in the future. Sounds good. That, right? And you played in, in the new Indiana Jones as well. Yes. yes. Short round on the new uh, Indiana yes. Jones. Stephen Putting that George out there. Out there. Stephen, yeah. tell him. We will see you all next week for Falling Skies. See you then. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 